representing the gays and the girls to those who just want to dance with somebody and let your people know that they are loved on. You are listening to The Girls Room. So pop in your headphones and pop that cap, but not just yet because episode 25 of The Girls Room starts right now. What is motherfucking good in the hood? It is your favorite fit fold. And don't fight me because I know how you girls like to tussle. That's right. It is Rashid, a.k.a. Rashid, a.k.a. I always wake up on the right side of the bed. You hoes just get on my motherfucking nerves. And I am sitting here with Della Reese's great niece because, you know, she and they are in charge of what? The girls. She and they are Erica, a.k.a. Fat Badu, a.k.a. Clitoria, a.k.a. Eartha Clit, a.k.a. Just changed a motherfucking name on Instagram. What's going down? Hey, y'all. How are you doing today? <laughs> you know, it's it's really wild because, of course, like, you know, I, I asked... Um, I asked Rashi right before I changed it. And usually when it comes to stuff like that, I just ask for Rashi's blessing, Loki, because I'd be like, this is kind of like, this is a major move a little bit. So I asked and Rashi was like, do it. Not all the teas, but of course we had to, you know, adjust. But yeah, I'm Eartha Clit. Um, It's nice to meet you all. How are you, Rashi? Come on, Kim Zosiak, ask, believe and receive. But I'm doing good. Um, I can't complain at all. It is, it has been a very long day, but either way, it feels good. But it's the day of love. It is Valentine's Day for the girls who are listening. Mm, we love love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But today yeah. we are going to be having a very super duper spectacular, stupendous episode for the girls as we give our listeners four. Bitch, what? Four. Four for four. Four different segments today. We will have a shortened version of What's Tea along with normal programming. It's giving and holla at your girl. But we will also be doing Spill the Tea where we read a couple of submitted sex stories that we ask for from our listeners. And we will give our honest and authentic feedback and reactions. And then for Holla at Your Girl, since it's the day of love, like we already said earlier, we really want to lead the discussion talking about former and present love experiences for the most part. Um, so there will be got in the conversation by examining what love has felt like for us and what it currently feels like. We experience love in so many different ways, and it's really important that we lift love up in unsettling times like the ones that we're in now. That's right. And in the name of Mother Blanca in her since episode one wig, we are making sure that the girls know that love is the message. What is the message? Love, love. is the message. And every day, today and every day on the girls room. So today for What's Tea, we'll be talking about Philadelphia's first harm reducing vending machine that has the streets talking. And you know, you fucking know. We'll be king at Thandaway Newton's unsolicited and dare I say unconventional apology to black women. <laughs> Sorry, as always, please. 
please remember to follow us on all of our social media platforms if you don't already. Um, you can follow us at the Girls Room on Twitter, Instagram, even Facebook. Uh, there you can really interact with us. And also just to let you all know again, girls is G-W-O-R-L-Z. I always try to make sure I spell that out for somebody I know that sometimes, even though you all listen, sometimes, you know, you can be absent-minded and that's okay. Cause Lord knows I am too. So and it's it okay. just happens and it's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And it's okay because somebody's still going to spell it wrong, even after listening to it, because that's Precisely. just how people are. And that's life. <laughs> and we, and we love you all flaws and all, but there you can definitely interact with us and let us know what you want to hear us talk about and really get all the latest um, updates on the world. And speaking of social media, I have a question for Erica this week, but I would love for our listeners to chime in when they can before our next episode. So this week's question is what? What does your inner voice tell you? My, I'm gonna keep it to be, my inner voice isn't the nicest. My inner voice is, as RuPaul would say, my inner saboteur because Loki, like- That should be saying smack. <laughs> <laughs> it really should, but like, no, like- no, like, you know, I've been trying to really fight with my inner, my inner voice, like the voices in my, I was about to say the voices in my head, but anyway, my inner voice, because I feel like a lot of times it kind of tells me that I'm not able to do things that I know I can do and that I'm capable of doing. So I'm currently in a fight, like, and I'm trying to win it, like knock the inner voice out, like fight night instead of pussy. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's my answer. Yes, I'm um, like that ass out, like fight night. Fight that night. was my shit. Hit okay. him with a left, hit yeah, him with like a right. right. Hey. Hey, was that, titty, was that bounce, titty bounce, bounce, bounce. You know what? They're bouncing. It I'm is, sorry, can, Migos. Can I oh. say this real quick? Do you remember when the boy, when I was on live and then the boy commented and complimented your titties? That was really iconic. <laughs> that was definitely iconic because I don't even remember my titties that day, but I remember his compliment. He was like, yeah, your brother titties be sitting. And I was like... <laughs> And I was like, wait, what's going on here? Okay. Like, Is you trying to fuck with me or him or both? It's happened. It's happened. It's, I'm going to say it's happened before, Rashi. So, you know, <laughs> guys, that was sad. I just, I really did forget about that too. But yeah, no, my inner voice definitely be telling me I can't do shit, even though I know I can. So I'm working on that. But uh, but other than that, my my uh, my inner voice tells me I'm a bad bitch. Period. In other, capa- in other capacities. But, you know duality what about yours what does your inner voice tell you probably i know it probably tells you good shit and but also kind of shady low-key so material girl please leave i don't see as i didn't see that coming in i should have yeah it's literally the only thing that lives in my head Mm -hmm. you know actually my inner voice actually sometimes somebody go look up that little girl in color on schindler's list do you remember that movie <laughs> you guys, I'm, I'm sorry. so awkward. I'm sorry, random. you guys. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm really don't have time for this today. Like uh, when he said that just now, it's a look of horror that popped up, like that really came across my face because it was just like, what? Like I just I remember, I really just remember this dead pile of bodies in that movie, right? Because it's a movie about the Holocaust, <laughs> like, and <laughs> out of nowhere, this just. There's just this little girl who's red. The whole movie is black and white, and she's the only thing in color. And something in my head keeps telling me to go look up what the fuck that symbolizes. 
but I just won't. <laughs> you know, like I, I probably just saw been about eleven years. That's wild. I've so I probably saw a good fifteen minutes of Schindler's List. My mom messed up a lot of Holocaust movies for me personally. I don't know if I ever told you, but do you remember the movie The Boy in the Striped Pajamas? I hate that movie. Yes, I do remember. Um, so in the boy in the striped pajamas, my mom went to my mom took us to see it and my mom fell asleep. Um, and it was like whatever. And on top of that, she had her you remember my mom's feet were really in bad condition, like they were scales on them. And she had them on the chair of the person in front of her. Okay. Um, so it was like that mixed with snoring. And then she woke up, like she was snoring, and she woke up during the part when the boy is in the gas goes in the gas chamber, and she's like, Where's the nachos? And I'm just like, What? see this is a lot so I don't know so I don't know so that's I don't like it should like it shouldn't have traumatized me like I did like it did but I just like every time I think of like those movies I just be like I think of that and it's just all it it automatically becomes comical it it doesn't need to be comical and it's sad you're right about that Hmm. yeah that was a very I'm sorry that was a very (laughs) very interesting inner voice but go ahead okay Well, I'm a little thirsty, so I think that's time for tea time. So what's first? Oh, so earlier, (laughs) I'm sorry, this is really funny for me. I have to get myself together. Okay. (laughs) Because I'm really low-key, like, my eyes are watering thinking about it. Because Rashid told me about this, and I'm like, it has to have, we have to talk about it. So um, Sandway Newton, like, you know, previously known as Sandy Newton, um, did something really, I say ghetto recently. Um, she gave an extremely cringeworthy and embarrassing as apology on behalf of colorism. And it went something like this. This is just the beginning. I've wanted to desperately apologize every day to darker skin actresses. And really it should have stopped there and it didn't. Um, And it kind of just became extremely uncomfortable for a lot of people to watch because she started crying. And then she kind of referred to herself as being the one chosen, the chosen one. And as we all know, in Hollywood, a lot of times darker skinned actresses are often put in the back, you know, in the back burner. And, you know, they give space to lighter skinned actresses, biracial actresses, people like Fandaway. Yeah, like Um, Mufasa, please. Talk about the fucking chosen one. Yeah, so... So I'm just like, so this was really awkward. Um, then goes on to say, my mama looks like you. And from what I'm also understanding, <laughs> it was really, it was really a lot. Cause like, it just like the tears started like pouring down and also something I didn't know. Her mother is a princess from the Shona tribe in Zimbabwe. So that, I don't know why that added a different layer for me, but it did. Um, but the apology kept going. It honestly just kept going, kept going. And it became more and more cringeworthy. It's where she went on to talk about how like a lot of darker skinned actresses, people that look like her mother, you know, of course, not only do not they do, do they not feel like she's representing them, but also that she's taking their men, their work, their truth. And it was a lot and I I I have to post this on my social I don't think I've posted it yet but it was honestly just it was very embarrassing to behold this speech the tears made it even worse it just kind of made me feel like she was trying to make people feel sorry for her for being light-skinned and it just created this interesting um look 
on how like light-skinned women oftentimes try or light-skinned people in general try to take the you know the like the I guess like not the discriminatory views off of darker skin women and trying to claim it for themselves. And you can't do that because that's not how colorism works. You know what it really was for me? It was the face palm. Give mama a fucking Tony because she really ate that shit up. And I really just had one thing to say. My mama looks like you. (laughs) No, but... When she takes her face and puts it in her palm, she laughs. And I want people to know that that was a laugh and she wasn't low. And I really screamed when I seen that because it was definitely giving ha ha, you dumbass bitch. And I that was a have to look back. I have to, I have to look at that because I don't even think I peeked that for real, for real. So thank you. Okay, explication. Go ahead. She was subbing. She really was subbing. And I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. She was subbing. There is someone out here who she is gunning for because she looked at that fucking screen like Jada calls bitches to the red table. And she said, I'm sorry for taking your men. And I was like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? It was the most cringeworthy shit I've ever seen in my life, but I could not stop screaming at it. Now I have another question. Do you think that we could find her mama who looks like you address? I think, I think, <laughs> I think we can. I was about to be like, I think we can, but I'm like, I think we can. I don't think we should. I don't think we should. I really but want to send a like gift basket to her mama who looks like you. <laughs> because she didn't ask for none of that. Her mama who looks like you didn't ask for none of that. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start calling her mom, her mama who looks like you. Isn't it just so sad how we bring people that don't need to be brought into conversations into conversations like these and now you're in the spotlight and it's awkward as fuck now. Because it's like, well, I want to know your commentary now. How do you feel about the fact that your daughter made a fool out of herself during this interview? And her black mama who look like you probably turned her fucking life alert off after that shit because I would have... (laughs) I'm embarrassed. Like, could you imagine being embarrassed like that? No, seriously, like I, that. I, I, I could actually. I really could. I could see Shiloh doing it to me when she's older. But also, have you seen her mom? Because I her haven't, mom, actually. Her mom gives, like, Gabrielle Union-like skin and has really high cheekbones, if that makes sense. And it's also just really interesting. It's, look, it's like looking at a makeup palette when you see Tandy Newton's mom, well, Tandaway Newton's mom, her, and then her daughter. I was about to bring up her daughter. I, her, her, her daughter, lighter. her daughter played in Dumbo, like the live action Dumbo or some shit. Wait, right? really? Oh yeah, that's right. Because I forgot that her daughter was well, is an actress. Because yeah. there's been articles that's come out, and she's been like, she's going to protect her daughter, and I'm like, well, who the fuck is going to protect the world in dark skin women from you? <laughs> You're a fucking menace, girl. But I don't know if you like. <sighs> eat, like, she was also talking about how, like, early in her career, like. You know, she felt like she experienced colorism um, with her first film. I think it was called The Flirting or some shit in which the actor, I mean, the um, director basically told her she has to get darker by Monday. And I'm just like, I don't really think that this is a specific example of colorism, but I think you did a nice reach there, girl. Love that for you, but also next caller because I don't like this. But no, I just, no, but I just wanted to, I just, I thought it was a good thing to bring up because it was just the first instance that I've experienced secondhand embarrassment this year, not counting our watching of bringing down the house. Iconic, by the way. That was iconic. (laughs) Barashi, just tell us what's next. Take us to the promised land. Let's go. 
period. So last week in our hometown of Philadelphia, city of health officials have revealed the city and the nation's first ever Narcan dispenser vending machine. The program is called Narcan Near Me and is set up at the Blackwell Library on 52nd Street. And if folks aren't aware, there has been an overwhelming use of opioids in the city of Philadelphia. For folks who don't know, that's where Erica and I live. And this is really just a way to make useful tools like Narcan accessible all over the city without feeling like you have to talk to somebody or feel like you're qualifying to receive it. So folks will be able to approach the kiosk, answer a few questions, get some Narcan nasal spray, which has been instrumental in yes. stopping overdoses within the last few years. This has been such a polarizing topic, and I understand to some extent, but that's only because I've done the work and I'm doing the work, and I have family members who have been impacted by drugs. My entire life was impacted by both my parents' relationships with drugs, and others simply don't have that knowledge. They don't have that training. They don't have that cooth or experience, and because they don't have one or more of those things, it's hard, and it's really hard to imagine a world where we can lead with kindness and empathy rather than punitive carceral and harmful measures, hundred percent. I was very happy to hear um, about these because I think that, <clears throat> of course, like, you know, a lot of the people who listen to the podcast, you know, are familiar with the different areas in Philly, specifically, not even just Philly, in different metropolitan areas, the opioid crisis and how it spread. I'm like, wildfire. Hey, it just kind of, and it just continues to. I know like people who live in Kensington kind of see that firsthand. Like a lot of people that I know who live over there, even though it's pretty gentrified for the most part, a lot of times you like walk out of these, like, you know, these industrial housing, housing, gentrified housing, and you step have to step over like a couple of people who like dead bodies on the street. And I think that, you know, this has always been um, a long running joke in our community, sadly, um, to kind of talk about the drug addicts that we often see on the daily. But I think that this is a step in the right direction. Of course, like I've always kind of been in the loop with Narcan. I actually wanted to, I, think I wanted to do Narcan training. Um, and I think it also just became available online. So like, even like, I think that everybody should probably be trained in like understanding when to administer um, Narcan. But with that being said, you don't have to have medical license. And also how, because yeah. if you don't do it the right way, that can really fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that this is really amazing, just making them easily accessible. And, you know, a lot of people see things like that and they think that that's like the government or the city's way of saying that these things are okay. But it's also just like, well, if these things are happening in my city, I need to just treat it like the problem it is instead of acting like it's not a problem. Very similar to how we talked about in previous episodes with sex education and stuff like that. You talk about these abstinence-based curriculums, however, the kids are having sex. So why are we talking about abstinence? The people, it's a drug problem in the city. So we're doing things to target it. And I think that the vending machines are a great idea. And I hope that they continue to do it. Um but yeah, like, like, and also, like you said, like, a lot, I know a lot of people who, whose lives have been affected in, you know, by, um, you know, opioids. So I think that people, well, no, I don't think, I know that people are saying that this would do a lot better in Kensington, but there is already work happening in Kensington, whether oh, yeah, it be like 100%. Project Safe or Prevention Point or other organizations, that work is already happening. And this epidemic isn't some anomaly, right? And the thing is, this adversely affects Black people. And we, and that means myself too, right, have made opioids an exclusively white thing. 
But we've turned a blind eye to this so much that we begun to become a part of the same picture that we painted on others. A hundred percent. And according to Substance Use Philly, there has been an increase in un- unintentional overdoses. Okay, in statistics. People. Okay, okay. you know, go. I came with the raw seat. You know, we love a raw seat, bitch. <laughs> yes, and so do. unintentional overdoses in Black people in Philadelphia specifically have actually gone up by 30% in the last year. Well, in the last two years. Mm-mm. Right. So 30% within the last two years. Do y'all hear that? White folks have actually decreased by 10% within the last two years. So that tells me... No, I don't like this. Right? That tells me two things. White people are getting ahead of the curve because through it all, they still have the resource. Or someone at least cares enough about them to get them the resources they need. It's the latter, I think. But, you know, maybe that's just me. I think it's really interesting that you even brought that up because that was actually immediately what I was thinking when you said that the crisis, the opioid crisis with Black people are going up by 30%. And then it's going down for white people. Because regardless of what what status a person has as a white person, they're always going to have priority. They're always going to have that privilege. People are always going to come to their aid. And it's really time that we do, that, that Black people get the same priority. Black people, yes, other people of color too, but also Black people. Let's be real here. Because that's really the people who are being affected by it. Like it, it's it's very disproportionate. Like even when we have like instances like with shit like with COVID, like black people need to be prioritized because they're put on the back burner so much. So I think that was a really interesting fact, a very interesting statistic. I mean, so you know what really eye opening. And what you said kind of makes me remember something from this book. It's called the summer the sum of us. The book is called the sum of us, and it's by Heather McGee. And so the book talks about how basically white people cut off their nose to spite their face as it relates to black people. So whenever you have maybe a community pool, right, where black people and white people live, when they don't want black people to have something, those white people also miss out on something. Right. And that's kind of how I feel about how black people felt about the opioid crisis not too long ago. It was like it wasn't affecting us. And white people were finally having an issue that didn't affect us at the time. And we were celebrating. Right. And so now it's adversely affecting us. And now look at us. (laughs) Right. A mess. And then another thing, too, is spiking and lacing may have gone up. So I can't actually speak to that number, but I have posted a lot of warnings that people have sent me to Freedom John that I've gotten about people dying of fentanyl overdoses. So You're not wrong. I've heard, I've heard of that more often. Yeah, yes. I wouldn't rule that out, basically, is what I'm saying. And I have another thing that I wanted to share. Euphoria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how does euphoria play into this? Because <laughs> the girlies are now experts, right? The girls have watched a few episodes of Euphoria, and they are now experts on substance abuse and addiction. I mean, y'all get up on Twitter every fucking week talking about how they feel bad for Rue, but then y'all have the nerve to refute the services for what they call crackheads. (laughs) The math is mathing, and I'm gonna send the links to the harm reduction trainings because y'all absolutely need that shit. Yeah. We about to get the girlies on Twitter, and we about to put them on the streets. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> do that work. Yeah. I'm with it for real, for because people always want to be hypercritical about people on issues like that. Exactly. They never want to put the work in. And it's I'm not saying you have to put the work in, but also like I feel like a little bit of empathy goes a long way. It's just like and honestly, like addiction is it's such a scary and terrible thing because it doesn't discriminate. And I think that it's like that with so many other things. Of course, like there are so many different things you can be addicted to, but it's just like addiction is very, is very much a terrible thing. And I think we all can relate to that to an extent. I feel like that, it, I feel like at some point in our lives, we all, we all either have or will be addicted to something. It doesn't have to be something like an op- opioid. However, like I think because of that, we should understand the nature of addiction isn't as black and white as everybody thinks. So they can't, really suck a dick i agree and also like i don't watch euphoria but i'm 100 percent sure that people wouldn't empathize with rue is that zendaya's character yes if she mm-hmm. was a darker if she was a darker skin girl they wouldn't empathize well with also her. even if rue was in their real life <laughs> true, it's all, true. i just want to give her hugs and all of that right now but we really underestimate what addiction is and because again i've lived through it not necessarily i've been addicted well child i've been addicted to a few things it just hasn't been drugs okay (laughs) (laughs) but if that was rue if rue was living in their home they would 100 understand the character writing for the other characters like the mother the sister and things of that nature because addiction really ruins families it doesn't just ruin a person it ruins a community of people it does but whatever the case may be I'm just really happy that this service is being offered and I hope to see them pop up around the city. And the good news is another kiosk is actually being planned right up the street for 50th in market. So I will reiterate one last time that I and the girls room is very much pro harm reduction and something, if something can save a life, I will say go for it because I truly believe that all lives are worth saving and that's on no commas mamas. Wow, you haven't said that in a grip. I love that. Go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, it's time to get into the real juicy shit. So it's time to spill the tea <laughs> for our special segment this week. So welcome to spill the tea. I got to keep that momentum up. Well, welcome to spill the tea. <laughs> it's this portion of the show, which is personally my favorite. We've only done it once before, but me, I just feel like it's very necessary because me and the doll, me and she DeBronco, me and freedom join we're always sorry i have to do that that's like my favorite Um, thing to do besides um, material girl um, i'm sorry continue i'm sorry uh, that's unfortunate let me stop no but i just feel like we're always spilling artsy we're spilling the community scene we're doing all this other shit but sometimes we really do like to switch it up so i just feel like like rashi said let's bring on that juicy mess that juicy shit so here's the first story um this dude brought his quote-unquote sister along to my house when we were supposed to link come to find out the girl wasn't his sister but another girl he was messing with and he was trying to have a threesome with hmm? he was trying for the reason okay we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this later um but yeah he literally was touching on her throughout the movie we were watching and when i told him i wasn't having sex with him he asked if i wanted to watch see no <laughs> if i wanted to watch him fuck her yes it was the last sneaky link for me let me just say this real quick it's a fuck no for me baby okay <laughs> first i just <laughs> first off i just want to say that's incredibly weird like even if it was a sister why are you bringing her to my house if we're supposed to be linking up that's very odd for me that okay i'm because i'm this made me a little bit upset but y'all are too fucking grown for sneaky links 
<laughs> if you are, are sleeping we? with somebody, it is for one of two reasons. You was living in your mama's basement or that man, woman, or person is married. And both of y'all need to have your ass beat for that reason if that's the case. But this also weirded me out because why do people do shit like this? I want to ask my sister who submitted this, are you okay? Do we need to call SVU Special Victims Union? Yes, union, yes. Unit, union? <clears throat> it's have, not okay. And have Detective Vincent, portrayed by Mariska Hargitay, <laughs> track this motherfucker down for his crimes? Because I'm sure. <laughs> this is like targeted assault like what do you mean you just brought some random bitch to my crib lies said that was your sister and then all of a sudden now you just touching this bitch while i'm in front of you like what like that's so weird but i understand that but i also want more information on the third on the other girl yeah because it's like because it's like so many people because it's like so many things wrong with that scenario or even on her end because it's like yeah. did, well did you know that uh, that he was messing with the girl whose house you went over why did you not say anything or step up did you think this was okay and why are you being t- why are you letting him touch on you in this person's house like it's just like it's just a lot of things wrong with it but also like with situations like this there are always red flags with men it just is well people in general but men men always have some icky shit with them and like we always um instead of like taking a red flag to what they are we always end up knitting a comfy scarf with them and wearing it it's sad it's dirty it's dirty you, you know what i immediately thought of them on a couch sharing one big ass blanket you know thinking that this is his sister and he's like finger popping her okay i'm not like i'm not thinking of three people on a couch but i'm definitely thinking about getting like of him finger popping for sure right and then like touching your face and the snacks with the same hand It's just so disrespectful and fucking low key. I would have socked the John that he came there with because low key, y'all was really trying to take advantage of me like some little weak ass bitch. And that's really corny to me. That's some corny ass shit. And that's just also a testimony to how niggas ain't got shit but nerve and fucking gall. It was really the, well, do you want to watch for me? Because what? I just also just I just also just want to just highlight like I want to know the dynamic of her and this man's relationship because it's like yeah. so, cause like with sneaky links of course is different levels or just like what people like when you have sexual relate purely sexual relationships with people as a whole you have different levels but like are y'all like are y'all cordial or do y'all just talk in a sexual manner I would think that they have some type of thing outside of just sex if like you all are having a movie night but it's just like it's just it's just the disrespect. It's like the man, the boy just doesn't respect her in the least. But if you brought a girl there, you didn't let her know that it like that it was for a perspective, like a pros a pro, pro, I can't do this today. A possible threesome. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Perspective. Look, look at yeah, you. You're right. yeah. you were right. You said it right the first time. I don't know why I couldn't come out my mouth though. So I I'm just thinking about imagine though, if he would have asked before just taking that fucking hike and coming up with the whole lie. And just saying, I want a threesome. But like, if you were going to eventually tell her that it was a three, it was for, that it was a threesome. Why did you lie in the first place? Like, because it was like when people lie, they think later on down the mm-hmm. line, later on down the line, that the truth will come out. But like that was probably within a, like a matter of like couple of hours. So why did you lie in the first place? You stupid. But, but also, did you watch though? 
<laughs> because that's my kind of curious. Of course. So like, too. okay, so here's the thing. Okay, <laughs> we she, need well, the rest of the she, story, girl. She, she, like she watched, she watched, either she watched. Don't lie either. Either she watched I know you watched, or she heard. Cool. She mm-hmm. watched or she heard. And either way, I would have kicked them out when I heard. You watched this, didn't you? <laughs> it's cool, girl. Again, I would have to. That's my kind of carrying on. I'm so. a cute to me. I definitely would have kicked them out as soon as I heard or saw something. I was like, you gotta go. But Rashi, I just want to let you know real quick. You tell like you changed the whole climate of the story when you talked about the hand in the snack jar. Because what I'm thinking is he has juices on his finger and you're in the cheese curl bowl. And now she has and no. now it's and now it's cheese dust on his finger. Uh, it's too much. It's too much. With our jacks, our cheese. Oh bowl. my god, that's almost ooh, that's getting very much like the Dutch master. And then the, he probably the, the put Dutch. his finger in. Yeah. He probably put his finger like, back ew. in. That's how yeast infections happen. Both of those girls need to leave that young man alone. Sorry to them. Uh, people are messy, and I love that for my entertainment, but I hate that for your life management. Sorry to them. Anyways, let's get into our next submission. This one says, My first time bottoming was no, with this guy. This who is already had a, a recipe for disaster. And the roommate is in quotes, y'all. So the roommate turned out to be this dude who had driven me around the area of my college. A few weeks prior, since it was my freshman year, they had a curtain, a curtain separating the living room and the bedroom. Was this in New now, York? Child, this might have been in Philly. The Ooh. one bedroom. I still let him smash. <laughs> I know that's right. Even he even asked the roommate what he should do since it was my first time. I was young and dumb. So after I told him I had met up with his roommate and wasn't into him like that, I ain't hear from either of them for a year. That's when they contacted me about a freesome. A freesome. I just, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. That's my favorite thing with chewing gum. When, first of a all, freesome. a freesome. That, that season was messy. Cousin Stacy. The unicorn. Tracy. Uh, the fucking Shaka Zulu outfit. It was too much. I couldn't. Chewing gum was definitely a treasure, but very upset that it left, but also understood. I'm not going to frame. When I first read the beginning of the story, I thought this was going to go in a completely different direction. I've heard too many horror stories with the first time bottoming and it going sideways because of the lack of education when it comes to douching and cleaning, whichever you call it. This is messy as shit. Like, it was just like, why are people recruiting for possible threesomes this way? Do people not ask outwardly anymore? Like, because I just need to know. These are kind of two stories, like, very different, but still kind of very similar in it. I'm sorry, have you been asked outwardly for a threesome? I have, actually. I I envy you. I actually just, I literally just got asked for a threesome on Twitter. I envy you. Oh, no, I've been asked for a threesome, but they did it through you. So I still haven't directly been asked for a threesome, but I have been asked for a threesome. Step it up just, to my level, bitches. Yeah, they yeah, they that guy wanted to have sex with me and Rashi. It was over Snapchat too. Well, no, remember the lesbian couple <gasps> that wanted to have oh, sex with me? Shit. You know, I thought about the bull from Snapchat. You've asked, you got asked for two threesomes. What are you talking about? There's two. You two. Oh my god, I love that for me. I didn't even realize there was another guy. Oh wow, you're telling you're talking about another time. Tell me about the other time really quick. Well, no, remember like I, the guy was sending me um his dick picture and I was like bothered by it. And then you started intervening. And then he said, for real, for like both of y'all, like I would have I, I would like to be with both of y'all. Do you remember we were over on the old apartment? 
Oh and, yeah, the 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 Snapchat John. Yeah, yeah, you mean that what was I just really weird. Yeah, he was weird. You did say that. Yeah, he was weird, but that was yeah. But you have two. Look at you. You said none. Now you up two. I'm that. up now. Give a fuck about my past, bitch. But yeah, but I feel. I mean, like I just feel like how else should you? I feel like that's the only way to ask somebody for a threesome because it's like any other way is kind of creepy a little bit if you just kind of have one you person might be right out there <laughs> one person bring you in and kind of just like scout the scene like and then you think you're gonna be with one person and then it kind of turns into two like another person like that's weird am i wrong like you're not wrong but see that's why even in the last joint i was like this is low-key kind of a saltish because oh, why did you show up with why the fuck did that person show up with a whole second person? He was mentally ill. I think <laughs> I really crazy. think I think he had something wrong with him because it's no way. Like I it's no way. We call a detective Benson on these bitches. I mean, y'all don't know it. it, but we call detective Benson. <laughs> like, Abolish the police, but call detective Benson. Period. <laughs> but with this scenario specifically, I don't like it, it was so many like interesting points. Like the first point I want to make is the you know the 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 one bedroom apartment where the curtain was basically separating the living room and I just I don't know because when I walk in a situation like that not saying I don't think I have before but I will automatically kind of think that something shady is going on there and I understand that everybody's living situation is different anyway but that's kind of usually always a red flag for me to an extent that was so interesting because that was one of the first questions I had too not to cut you off but I was like is this a college dorm or like a studio apartment yeah, because I was sure. That's what I was thinking too, but it automatically made me think up to like in New York how like they have like seven people in one bedroom apartment. So I'm like, is it New York? Like, who fucking knows? But not the Haitians <clears throat> living there, child. The Haitians. I'm just saying. I I uh, mean, listen. Have you ever? I've lived over like so. The thing about immigrant families is they take care. Oh, of Oh, you know what? You and know what? motherfuckers will pack into a motherfucking house and they will be happy period you're not wrong like you're definitely not wrong you're very right about that i don't yeah i don't yeah you're right and i think that's kind of that's low-key something that like where how americans do differ like of course we're not talking about that but it's really wild how like we kind of like really eager to kick our kids out and like do all this other shit and it's like in other countries like you know you kind of like have them stay but of course like i understand for different reasons like it's very different yeah and i was um, also want to say the whole idea too behind that is when they come here they don't have support so it's yeah. like they gotta gotta kind of yeah. stick together yeah. yeah i'm sorry for cutting you off <clears throat> no you're cool i have something to bag in my throat this is fucking sucks a little bit this is kind of like the one time like i like swallowed and then like it kind of just got caught because i had phlegm in my um throat already i don't like that it's a bad feeling i don't know why i said that out loud um yeah, I don't know. I, I feel I I don't feel uneasy at this situation like I probably should, but it's very weird because like because I had to read it multiple times before I actually talked about it. Cause like I got the room, the, the first roommate mixed up with the second roommate, and then I realized that like I kind of like switched them by accident. Um, but I don't know. Um, it sounds very predatory, and it also seems like the other roommate, I think the one that you probably had sex with was, was kind of way older than you, and you're a freshman, so you were like, it just it's yeah it, it seems uncomfortable in that way specifically this really took me back to oh, when man. i found out that people in college were having sex under the covers while their roommate was in the room which i was definitely displeased with when i found out I just, but oh, in I their defense that. that may be my own bias of never having to have lived in a dorm 
And so I don't have that experience. So maybe that's that's really just the norm. And maybe I'm crazy, but I'm just not used to having that level of comfortability with people to where as though I've consented to them listening and essentially watching me because covers aren't going to cover up everything, have sex. I also don't think that masses of people realize how invading that is for the person on the other side of the room. And of course, not in this case, but, you know, also have questions about the roommate, because what it's giving is that the roommate in quotes was actually his man. And I'm just like, they was definitely together, bro. Like they, they yeah. were definitely, together. It was definitely I, they were, it was a very odd thing. That's why I'm saying like it was, it's a threesome. Like, I feel like that was kind of something that they, they were thinking about from Rip, but it kind of backfired because yeah. he said he wasn't introduced, interested in the other one, which also begs the question, why did you circle back if I already said I wasn't interested in one of y'all? Like, and this is really what I'm just saying is just like people really be lying about their entire lives and their entire circumstances for the sake of a fucking threesome. And you that you're still not about to get from me when you could have just asked from the jump, like you said. But also sending heart to you for bottoming for the first time in the presence of somebody else, because bottoming is definitely a skill that all people do not fucking possess. And to be quiet about it, woo! let me tell you, the roommate would have fucking thought I was Marian Anderson and I was performing at the fucking opera that night, I fear, because it does not matter what size the person is. On the first time, that shit is going to hurt. I'm going to be honest. I would love to have a thread of bottom, of first time bottoming experiences. Cause like, I, I don't know. I ended up like listening to all of these on TikTok and they're always just so interesting, but also first time experiences are funny as a whole, but. And I also just really can't talk because my first time bottoming was for some older nigga in his mama's basement. So um, like this person said, very young and dumb and mine's involved no lube. So I hope yours did, but sorry to. Oh. my whole but i would also like to recommend pure for men if you don't already use it <laughs> it makes the clean out way less of a hassle and it helps you with your fiber intake is this an ad plug-in <laughs> like what the fuck is this okay fine. let me find out we being sponsored that's Somebody what i was like huh? bitch. i need a sponsor yeah i don't really i don't know i don't have nothing more to say i'm just these stories are very interesting. Sorry to yeah. you all for being and in these scenarios. Rashid, very much sorry but, to your whole. I don't know what the fuck you were thinking. Like, of course, like you were all young and dumb, but Jesus Christ, like <laughs> fuck me in the ass with no lube. <laughs> it's just like Jesus. Like, oh man, I would love to, you know, keep this going, keep the analysis and the ad placement going, but we definitely have to get on to our last one. To keep the show rolling. So next up, this story is really messy and is one of the stories that we got later on. And so you want to read this one, Erica? I'm really excited to read this one because Rashid told us we had this this new entry. So he said it was really scandalous, basically. So I decided not to read ahead because I wanted to have a very candid response. So I'm I'm really scared, kind of, but here it goes. I know it's bad because it starts with, so I'm dating a twin. So let's go. <clears throat> let's dig into this. So I'm dating a twin and we have okay sex. Okay is in 
parentheses, basically. So I went over to his house that he shares with his brother. I don't know why, but I had a really high sex drive that day. So when I knocked on the door, as soon as he opened it, I jumped in his arms and we went at it. It was the best sex we've ever had in our dating life. He started giving me the most amazing world after our outstanding penetrative sex after cream pieing me. Okay, girl. Or person, my bad. So I started moaning his name. See, this isn't looking good so far. So I started moaning his name, Jeremy. And he stopped. And I thought he was coming up for air, but he stopped to tell me he was Julian. No, 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 no. Oh my God. Wait, I'm sorry. My chest. Okay. Oh, fuck. All right. This was a year ago. And I have no idea how to tell Jeremy that my best sex ever was from Julian. He's the superior twin, but Jeremy gives good hugs. I am beside myself. I am beside myself and Julian is a crumb. He's a fucking crumb, a crumb pumpkin. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I just feel like we are definitely going to be calling Detective Stabler at this point, not just Detective Benson. We need the entire fucking crew because this is getting very wild. Who is IC's character? Fuck if I know. (laughs) (laughs) But first of all, Jillian needs his fucking ass whooped from the fucking front because that's really some dirty shit to allow him to keep going until you said his name. And your brother's girlfriend at that? Like, your brother's girlfriend? Woo. Like, fucking woo. What really led me here right now? I'm going to tell you what got me to this You look angry. I'm not going to keep it to me. You look angry. Right? It was the cream pie. (laughs) First of all, I have not heard the word cream pie since I was, like, 13, going on the internet looking for fucking porn. Until I realized that you could put a gay filter on. I have not seen the word cream pie in like many of fucking years. So that's sending me, first of all. And like the other, like the other girls who submitted the stories, right? I'm just left with questions because did you need a plan B after that? Was there a pregnancy test? The cream pie really changed the game for me. And I feel like fucking Jimmy Kimmel. I just have all these fucking questions and I want to know who wants to be a fucking millionaire. Answer my fucking questions. I just feel like Julian's a champion, Loki. You gave oral after a cream pie. Child, yes. He would be a champion in a world where that's low-key, not sexual at all. Yes. <laughs> you, you are like this. Yes, you're very right. I feel very bad about my comment. Um, it's so interesting because, of course, like, of, I'm, so I dated a twin. Of course, I've never had sex with a twin brother. However, I do remember one time I went over there and he gave me a hug and I thought that it was the, it was, I thought it was, the, it was the wrong twin. I, I didn't know. But I'm very thankful, of course, that nothing happened because I knew the difference between the two. I feel, I feel, I, I feel very, I feel very violated for her. Um, more than anything yeah like it's hard to actually appreciate the pleasure that she received because that's such a deceptive thing knowing that you have a twin brother knowing that she probably thinks that you are him and you still went ahead and did that like it got to the point where this person said they jumped into this person's arms which means the moment that person jumped into your arms and started trying to get it on with you, you had all the opportunity to be like, hey, not the right twin. And you just went along with it and waited until that girl said your fucking name. 
well, said your brother's name. And then you corrected her, like, all con- on the calm. But I just want to also call shade because I don't feel like, and like, again, I, I, I feel really bad for saying this, but I feel like there's also a possible, I don't know, like, maybe I read it wrong, but that part on the end, but Jeremy gives great hugs, it just gives very shady, and it makes me feel like... Very shady. It, very it, it shady. makes me feel like she, perhaps they don't feel that bad. Of course, I could be wrong, but I'm just saying, like, I just feel like this was shady. You didn't have to put that part in, girl. That was wild. Um, but also, I don't know, like, but I'm also like the questions I also want to know, like, with stuff like that is like, are you communicating with them with 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 Jeremy to get him to the level that Julian's at? Poor Jeremy. And then also, what is it like when y'all see each other now? Do you think they're like, having a secret flame? That's what I. But this is the questions because it's like. If you won't give me the story, at least tell me that you still fucking him. To be no honest, shade. to be honest, I think we should have an episode where somebody like does like like brings their tea in, and then we blur we blur their face out and put the voice joint on, and then they give. Because <laughs> I really, it's just like a lot of these. I it's just it's like the tea is good, but I just need more. Like I need another cup because it's like it's more questions. What's the You're flavor? Right about that. What is the origin? Like it's just it's too much. I and don't I'll know. Tell you one motherfucking thing. She is definitely better than me because. I would have never realized it was Julian because when he was coming back up for what she thought the fuck was air, I would have pushed that nigga head back down <laughs> until climax. Do you hear me now? Get the fuck back to work, you pussy peasant. <laughs> would have never known a thing. Sorry to that person. <laughs> she is so fucking dirty. I can't even believe it. I don't even know what to say at this point. Oh well, it just is. Look, it just is what it is. Yeah, yeah. But I think this is a, yeah. I think this is a good place to transition, though. So thanks to the folks who submitted these. We will have more spill the tea segments in the coming weeks. We just want to make sure we empty out the log that we received, and we will keep the link up in our bio in case people want to keep submitting these. And who knows, maybe this could actually become a regular thing around here. But also, don't we want to hear Rashid's scandalous stories one day? I already told y'all my scandalous story. I told y'all I bought him the first time for some man in his mama's basement. That's all the motherfucking tea y'all gonna get from me today. <laughs> and I gave y'all sorry to my whole All right, bye, go ahead. <laughs> but now it is time for It's Giving, where Erica and myself uplift one mutual aid, call for support. And we ask our listeners, if capable, to give what they can. The girls' room wants its listeners to remember that it is important to not just talk the talk, but also walk the walk. Period. And swipe the motherfucking visas for our sisters and siblings. Remember that this week and every week, love is what? The message. So that means showing up when you can and however you can. But yeah, we have to build that community overall. So this week, we're lifting up another comrade and a personal mutual of ours. Um, Their name is Messiah. And they are a non-binary Black queer. Basically, just looking to move out and get a crib of their own as soon as possible, which is something that I feel like a lot of us can empathize with. Um, They have a goal of $3,000. And honestly, anything that you could give would be greatly appreciated. And I feel like you need to do that. Why? It's the season of giving. It's a new year. It's Black History Month. Pull out them bills, stretch them bills, forming mills. I need a nigga who can swipe them visas. You can send some love to Messiah by cash apping and Venmoing them under the same handle at Fluffy Black Boy. And the black is spelled B L K 
Again, that is Fluffy Black Boy on Cash App and Venmo, and Black is spelled B-L-K. Reach out to the girls' room on social media if you have someone or a community group and needed some love and support. Thank you in advance to all of our listeners who answered this call to action. We will also post Messiah's handles later in the week for folks who can't find it after listening to today's episode. So we're finally at our main and final discussion for this week's episode for your holler at your girl section. And as we mentioned earlier, love is what? The message. Yes, especially for today's episode, because why? It's Valentine's Day. Why do we come with today's episode? Like I said, Valentine's Day. So we wouldn't be doing the girls' room any justice by not having a conversation surrounding the concept of love. Plus, I think, I think this is the first time we're having an episode centering Valentine's Day, correct? I think so. And honestly, I'm happy we haven't done an episode for this, especially since we're centering experiences and times where we knew that we were loved. And there are so many times I think about how people only acknowledge love when it is from a person of a romantic interest. And I think that does people a huge disservice because it leads them astray and it doesn't give them time to actually be loved on by those who are willing, right? Like friends, chosen family, and others. And in return, they then aren't able to give it back because they're so infatuated with being loved by a particular person or people that they're not feeling it from those same people I just talked about. So how do you feel about the ways people receive love, sis? Um, I feel like um, however people choose to receive love or choose to give love, it's beautiful. And I think it's extremely valid so long as you're not belittling people or making people feel bad that they're not able to do certain things for you. Of course, I think in past years, the concept of love languages have made its way to the forefront. And I feel, I I think it's safe to say that we all are kind of well-versed in different love languages. Of course you have, you know what, I don't even, I'm about to play myself. Let me try to sit real quick to do a little exercise. Words of affirmation, you have quality time, gifts, acts of service. And I think it's touch touch I did it perfect anyway yeah but I feel like a lot of times we kind of censor it being just one of those things that it can be a multiple of those I feel like and I'm not sure if I'm wrong and I feel like sometimes I even run into people who say that they can't relate to any of those love languages so even if you fall in the category of one of those specific love languages that I'm named or maybe you you know receive you you feel like you receive love or you give love in different ways that's valid And I think that you should take pride in it. And I think that you should be vocal about it at all times. Like Rashid said, I think I spent a lot of my life kind of just like, I really wasn't into Valentine's Day because of course I always had a problem keeping relationships and things like that. And I kind of placed emphasis on romantic love or, you know, like sexual intimacy. So I didn't really take time to really value the people that I I held dear, whether they were familial or platonic. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's why um, my view of Valentine's Day changed. But to answer your question, I feel that however you receive love is valid. And I think that you should continue it. Just make sure you're vocal about it. I think that when people are in your life, that they want to make sure that you feel loved and that you feel full, that you feel satisfied by their presence. So I think it's very smart to be open. Cool. I really agree with everything that you said. And I thank you for sharing those thoughts with me because they were really beautiful. And of course, with the girls as well, because I think that that just helps to further inform today's segment content. 
And so without further ado, I want to start our conversation around what it feels and what it has felt like to be loved and loved on and why we felt that. I think about the different conversations that are always held around love languages. And I think we place almost too much emphasis on our love languages to the point where we're, we're limiting our love intake. So I think it's important to note ways that we felt loved even when it wasn't our language and even when it wasn't from a romantic partner. So Erica, I'm gonna let you start. So shoot me your first one. This one is really easy. And I think this was probably, I'm actually gonna try not to be emotional because I feel like when I was like, when I was initially thinking about it, I got really emotional. And I'm not sure if you all know this, but I am a very much a crybaby and I'm, I'm comfortable with that at this point in my life. So, um, you know, I grew up in a family where we weren't really, we didn't really place emphasis on gift giving. Like when it came to Christmas and when holidays, like it wasn't really, we was getting gifts. You, were, you just put money in an envelope and that was it. Um, so the concept of gift giving was something very um, foreign to me. And I didn't really understand like, you know, how serious it could be. But, you know, anyway, whatever. Long story short, fast forward, Rashid's in my life now, right? And, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, again, like I and Rashi would get me gifts, but they were like very thoughtful. Like it was just like and it would catch me off guard. It's just something that like maybe like I would talk to Rashid and I could just say something random in regular conversation. And then maybe the week later, Rashid would just randomly get me and it would be no big deal. And I'd be like, wait, what the fuck? Like, wait, wait, how, what was this? Specifically, I'm just going to go to. My pregnancy specifically, with this man, Sarah Rashid has always given me shit. Like, he's always been very caring, very thoughtful with his gift giving. And it actually helped me learn that I have to be, well, not I have to be, but to be thoughtful with gift giving as well. And he's taught me so much on how to really pay attention to people um, and figure out what they like. And I try to put my best foot forward giving gifts instead of just putting money in an envelope. My pregnancy was very rough. I was sick. I had my, my, my daughter was, was, was laying on my sciatic nerve. I was very, I was an unhappy camper. And Rashid basically every week would just get something new for me or my daughter. Specifically this day, I was feeling really bad and I woke up and it was basically a wall filled with pampers and diapers. And I just, <sighs> I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because you know, of course, like, you know, you know about the things that you need when you're having a child, but you don't really think about it in that, you know, and you, of course, like when, in like when it's like a lot of money and you don't really have the money like on hand like that, you don't really think about it. But that was just one instance throughout my pregnancy where I was just like, wow, like to feel loved. And it didn't stop there. You know what I'm saying? Like Rashid planned a baby shower and I didn't know it. What this man said, I just want to say Rashid is a really good liar and it sucks a lot. I went with Rashid to the Use venue liabilities for good i went where I, <laughs> I went i went where rashid to drop off the, the money for the deposit at the venue and i had no idea that it was for the, the the fucking baby shower but i just feel like every interaction that i had with rashid and where he's like just being so fucking thoughtful that i kind of can't even fathom it I just feel so loved. And it's like, and again, I never would have thought that I would really think about gift giving um, in that capacity of something so serious. But when you meet somebody who has like this gift and like who is thoughtful 
that's just showing so many abilities. It's like you're, they're thinking about you. They're listening to you. It's like they're kind of using all of their senses. Yeah, I feel like I'm about to cry. I'm sorry. I'm just like, okay, yeah. But no, um, but yeah, throughout my whole pregnancy, she was very doting. Even like now, when I got laid off from my job, I'm sorry, I'm giving like all these examples, but this is and just for, all this. And this tea. is, I'm sorry, like I'm just like, no, but Rashi really is thoughtful. Like I just, I'm about to air myself. I was looking for a job for a while. I got one. Of course, it didn't work out in the long run because like the contract ended. Rashi fucking got stuff delivered to congratulate me. And I'm like, who fucking does this shit? Like it was just like. I, I tell people very often that, I that, you know, I love Rashid, but I don't think I've ever been loved as intensely. And quite frankly, I probably will never find somebody that could love me in the way that Rashid loves me. But it's just such an honor to be loved by Rashid. And I just, I just, I feel really good about it. So that's my first example for sure. All of those examples, I know we're, pop, we're supposed to give like one example, but it was just so many. I couldn't really pick one. But I really appreciate, so I'm by default going to give my next one because it almost feels now like a response to what exactly it is you just said. And what you said informs minds in a sense. Back in about maybe, what, 2015, 2016, I was homeless. I had literally just left home and I was homeless. I was living somewhere, but the living situation was really, 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 really bad. And I remember one time I had Erica come with me where I was staying at. And so I was going back to Erica's house to go stay the night. But I remember at the end of the weekend, when I went to go go home, I remember Erica's grandmother, my mom, who's no longer with us, I remember she pulled me into her room. And so like just some background on my mom, my mom after a certain point was living with dementia. And so it was very interesting interacting with her because at any moment, low key, she could be talking to somebody completely different. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Even though she was talking to you, like she would see you and it wouldn't be you who she was talking to. So you'd actually have to figure out what character you were <laughs> for the day, right? And I just remember she actually, my mom came to me and she took my hand and she was like, and she said, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm going home. And she was like, Ugh. You know how my mom used to be. She used to like look around and like look around and wonder like what was going on. I'm sorry. Oh, this this this, this, is, this is the, the one of the best like representations like the accent like imitation. Because she would she be it like, would be like she would be flustered a little bit. Was, yeah. And so she just gave this like really flustered look, and she was like, "Well, this is your home." She was like, "This is your home." Yeah, this is your home. And then I remember mom, like literally that same day came to me and was like, so talk to Erie. And like, she just was like, you live here. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I just remember being like, wait. And like, this is all in the midst of me, like having my shit ready to go back to where it was I was staying. And them just being like, you thought you were coming for the weekend, but like you live here now. And I remember, so like Erica, me and Erica slept together on the same bed on this small full size bed. And you know, I will be, you know, fast asleep and while she'd be up from insomnia, sorry to her. <laughs> but it's just in that moment for me, right? That's love. And that was the first time since my grandmother had passed away that I had felt like familial love, right? And that for me was the first time I had realized that chosen families don't only exist in 
these limits of just sometimes queer um, and LGBTQIA life, right? They exist wherever you make them. And background on mom is mom is a hardcore Christian and never once has has she ever made me or Erica feel like we don't belong because of our identities. And if anything, she does try to put that foot forth, that effort forth to figure out what it is. And if she has said something that she felt like was wrong or damaging, she always tries to apologize and she does it. And it takes a little bit of time, right? But when you love people, you work with them. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get her on track and, you know, understand what it is we're saying. And I mean, shit, like Erica and her will argue to the death. Like, you know, me and mom don't really have arguments like that, but Erica and her have arguments, intense arguments, actually. It's actually almost like mom and my mom, when they used to argue, it's kind of scary. It's like looking at two mirrors. It's actually like, <laughs> it's actually like a verbal WWE fight. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But that's kind of what it is. And I think it's the idea that y'all did this thing for me. And when I didn't ask for it, and y'all took something that I never even really talked about. I never talked about my home situation. And again, you've seen it, but we didn't talk about it. It was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, cause I can live anywhere. People don't realize I can live anywhere. I can do anything. I can do all things through shit. Myself who strengthens me. <laughs> um, and, but with that being said, it just felt good to have not just a home, but a family. And that's where I leave from at this point in my life. And I dedicate my time to people who I know are willing to put into me and I give that back. And so that is something that I'm never going to forget. And so when mom calls me her son, I take that very seriously. We have been in grocery stores and department stores where somebody has disrespected her and she has thought they, they have thought that she has been alone. And I have had the boss to fuck up and let the girls know that she is not alone. <laughs> and this is my family and I'm going to protect it till the day I die. And that's just what on period. <laughs> period mamas no comments no that um yeah but Ooh, yeah that's that's good i was gonna say i'm that's like very much just y'all understanding our dynamic right and so these things feel like I, I said the word earlier anomalies like love sometimes can really feel like an anomaly because we feel like it can really only exist one way like i said earlier as far as romance but you really, when you feel it in other ways, you feel it. And I just always feel love when I go around them, right? There's not a moment where I go around them and I don't feel like they love me. I don't feel like I joined the family just a few years ago. I feel like they've been my family my entire life. And that's just a really good feeling. And that's just like some insight on how we operate in our relationship. So now maybe uh, people can understand a little bit more why me and Erica operate the way we do. I just remember that day because I just remember like talking to, I think, I don't know if I was talking to mom or my mom, but I just kind of told them like, I was like, like he's staying here. <laughs> it's just like, it was like, he like, and we were all like, yeah, like I thought he was already. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, we were, we were all on different pages. Okay. I got you. All right. Um, But no, yeah, my mom, my mom did love you. Um, a lot and mom is crazy about you as you know like it's it's I just want to say it's so adorable when like you're when you're on the phone and mom hears your voice it's very very much like a child who sees their parent come home like come through the door it's like is that rah rah and I'll be like yeah it's rah rah yeah. I know and it's I love like, it. that's a part of it it's like yeah. and that's that again more insight into like the dynamics it's just like we see each other we really just love each other period
<laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna keep it at being like after Rashida kind of went downhill, so I was really trying to think of shit. But anyway, um, right? <laughs> uh, like not like because like a hundred, like not not for nothing. Like not saying that like people like don't love me, but it's just like you know, it's just it's. I guess it's just it's different tiers. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I guess. But like my second person would have to be my best friend Danielle. I've known Danny since I was five years old. Um, our moms were really cool. Um, and me and Danny met in the weirdest way ever. Like I, I, I doubt anybody that knew me then was listening now. But I was a very weird kid. Like I, I was scared of everything. I was scared of public bathrooms. I couldn't look up at the ceiling in public bathrooms because of the toilet paper on the ceilings. I couldn't walk on wet leaves. I couldn't walk barefoot on carpets or anything because I thought parasites would bore through my feet. I was just, I was Chucky. I was Chucky. Basically. You ever seen Monk? Yes, that's my shit. That, I love. <laughs> that's what it's giving. It's like scared of every fucking thing. Let me tell you something quick. I I will sing the shit out of the monk theme. It's a jungle out there. Yes. Oh, it's a jungle out doom. You doom, know, doom, 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 doom. My yeah, my mom used to love that shit. Me and that my mom my watched shit. Me and my grandma. Yes, yes, me and my grandma used to watch that shit on Fridays too. Period. He'd be like looking through the prime scene but yeah no um yeah but I was very much like that and me and Danielle met in a very odd way um I had to I had to use the restroom and I was free, I was having a mental breakdown sitting on the stall I was squatting over it I had personal toilet seat covers in my own toilet paper and everything in my, my book bag that was on the floor that I should have been cradling in my lap anyway whatever long story short my best friend Danielle talked me through the whole thing and it was very 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 much a bonding experience and after that we just kind of hit it off and we were kind of inseparable after that. I think out of everybody who's come in and out of my life, I think that Danielle and Rashid have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And specifically my mom's Hall of Fame because getting in with my mom was the hardest shit ever. Like my grandmother was very much an asshole. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love her very much, but but me and Danny, of course, have been through ups and downs. I know that Rashid has probably witnessed but Danielle is very much family and it kind of evolved into that, um, you know, with a lot of, you know, personal changes that happen um, in our lives. Um, and we just kind of move as one unit. But, you know, I have this thing, unfortunately, where throughout my different phases of life, I don't when I because I go through different metamorphoses, just like we all do. I kind of shed my old skin. And with that, I shed people with it, with the old skin. I'm not like saying I'm upset about it, but sometimes it's kind of, it needs to be done because I can't really relate to those people. But with all the skins that I've shed, I don't think I've ever really shed Danny. Um, and I, I, I knew then that it was very much different. And it's just like, we kind of evolved with each other and we're very much opposites. Whatever type A and type B is, she's really anal and I'm not. But opposites anal. really attract. Yeah, like, like Danny makes lists and lists, stress me out Danny and Rashid are probably very similar because Rashid is also anal with the with things and like that shit stress I don't know why order order stresses me out but it does sometimes probably because I feel like I don't know I'm, I must have some type of mental illness I don't know maybe it's yet. a trauma response it's because of mom she <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> for real trying to yeah. loosen up your life a little bit yeah just, yeah that's probably that no but um I don't think there's ever been an instance where I just haven't felt loved by Danny. Like Danny, whenever like she's going through phases of life, you know, she always brings me with her. Me and her have gone in two very much different, you know, directions. And again, like when it comes to, you know, my relationships with a lot of my friends, it 
I know a lot of people thought that I probably was no longer going to really, you know, be in communication with them once I had my, my daughter, because a lot of times parenthood changes you. Um, and you don't really know how it's going to change the people that you love, but it changes them. But it just, it, it was just very much similar to Rashi. Once I became pregnant, it's just like, it, I just feel like the, the relationships I had with Rashi, but also Danielle, um, they just leveled up. And just to see them both love my daughter in the way that they do, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to see, and you know, intergenerational love like that. It's true. It's very true. When you told me that Danielle did, what is it like the Rubik's cube or some shit, or the screen? Well, what's the thing that I have? A, I have, yeah, I have, yeah, she did, yeah, a Rubik's cube. I have different recordings of Danielle doing that, <laughs> and I have recordings of her singing "Itsy Bitsy Spider" in different ways. So yeah, I I just I constantly just feel um, loved by Danny. Danny always checks up on me. Danny always just kind of like randomly sends stuff, and again, not very much. Not didn't grow up a gift giver never really thought of that as something until like I really got older and read up on love language and started learning people who also had that love language and I'm like this is really a beautiful thing but also just like you know just de- you know the words of encouragement I get from Danny um are dope um and not again like it's just and I keep and I'm trying not to really like core like I guess connect them with love languages but it's just I just noticed a different one so I just kind of like just point them out but I it's just really hard. It's just it's very hard with like those two specifically to just point out just one thing when it's just infinite things. Just know that I'm surrounded by love and I just and I feel very thankful and I just can't wait until um you know my will comes through and they get money for having to deal with me for their whole lives. So that's good. Well, I will say this one thing that I really do admire about Danielle is her ability to always try to protect you. And so I allow certain things because I don't don't want to think about that. I don't, yeah, I allow certain things and I am okay with being around certain people, even when they've done Erica wrong, because Erica is clearly okay with being around them at the moment. But one thing about Danielle is Danielle will like very much let you know that she doesn't want to be around that person and that they shouldn't be there. And while that can be drawn sometimes, it's also like, I can't do anything but respect it because it's like, at the end of the day, she's protecting her family. Like the same way that I protect my family, you know, in other occasions, but you need somebody who you know is going to protect you no matter what. And I feel that. And if I had to trust anybody with Erica's life besides myself, it will 100% be Danielle. <laughs> Period. Wait, I'm sorry. One thing, I'm sorry. I have to wait. I'm sorry. I had to just backtrack one second. Rashid stayed with me in the hospital and I was drugged up for hours. I'm sorry. Just like, I just thought about that <laughs> shit. I was constantly passing out and Rashid just in the corner there, just like nothing happened. He's like, yeah, I'm here. And I'm like, wow, you're still here. I'm sorry. It also was interesting because I was going to say the night and then I asked them a question about something as far as like going and coming back because I had to go do something. And then they were like, oh yeah, no, you can't stay the night here. But it was interesting because it was already like 12.06. And so I'm like, well, when were y'all gonna? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, when are you? When were you gonna tell me? Like, when were y'all gonna tell me there was a time limit for me to be here? They weren't. It was, yeah, no, 
Yeah, no, but I agree. I 100%. I can feel that love that Danielle has for you. Yeah. So sort of like how you had already said, these went very, very, very much downhill <laughs> after I did the first one. <laughs> Actually, I think my third one, I brought it back up. Um, but my second one that I thought of, so this is going to sound funny, but it was definitely the time that I got hit from the back and that one man asked me to be his boyfriend <laughs> and told me that he loved me in the same setting. <laughs> Because I just felt I'm it, sorry, right? real quick. I just <laughs> I'm so mad right now. Like this was a hundred percent. Like I feel like I have whiplash, Loki. I'm like, huh? But go ahead, just whatever. But yeah. it's true, right? Because in the same setting, you you told me you love me. You hit me from the back, and you asked me to be your boyfriend. What? <laughs> He could have told me he fucking hated my guts, and I'd have been like, child, as long as you, you know. <laughs> So but I'm so even if my mind had told me that I wasn't in love, my whole my G spot definitely told me I was child. But it just in that moment it felt like a movie. And again, this isn't really necessarily when we were loved, even though that person did love me. We'll talk about that more. Um, but it just felt like a movie, and something about that warmed me. And six, seven years later, I still feel that warmth just thinking about that moment. And so I love intimacy. And so an act of passion like that, it just really transcended how I viewed that person. And I just think about like how many times do you actually get to experience something so cherishing like that? And a lot of people won't. A lot of people will really have intimate moments with people and will really have sex with folks and never experience something like that in life. <laughs> and like that for me was just very, you know, valuable. With that said, I also, like I was saying earlier, I also realized that he did love me. And if I had to guess, I know for a fact he still does, but he didn't know how to love. <laughs> you gotta like, you gotta bolster yourself a little bit. He still does. <laughs> Let me tell you something real quick. One thing about Rashid is these niggas will always love him forever and always. Like it just they coming back. It's it's like he put a root on them or something. I don't know what's I going mean, on there. It's scary. I'm trying to tell the girls it's love and then it's being loved by Rashid. And that's in any setting, any kind of person. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, okay. But he just didn't know how to love me right. And so he didn't know how to love me the right way. And so now somebody else gets to prove him, right? They get to prove themselves and he doesn't. And so, but what I realized also too is a lost relationship doesn't mean that love is no longer there. But I know I did also love him enough to know that he wasn't for me at the time and that he also had some growing to do. This may be cheating because this probably is going to be like now my third and I'm supposed to go like another time. You did. Go ahead. You but, but I think this was also when I knew I loved myself more than I ever did before. And so that's a very important part of this is just that we all go through a phase where we feel like we're infatuated with the idea of being with someone for the sake of saying that we are with someone. And breaking up with him allowed me to tap more into myself. And it was like, for the first time in my life, I was able to analyze the situation that I was in with someone and I was supposed to be in love with that person. And I got to say, hold on, this just isn't healthy for either of us. I don't think if I ever got that inkling 
that I would be sitting here today with somebody new because I would probably still be with him and allowing him to love me how he wanted to love me rather than how I wanted somebody to love me. And so I say, cheers, bitch. <laughs> For real, cheers to being fucking bad bitches and, you know, being where we are and displaying that growth, period. Period. I'm not going front. Those are two good ones. That the bull. I was at first. I didn't know he was talking about. But I'm like, mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah we know. We <laughs> you know got like this. this the mask dom. <laughs> this was a big. Like I'm gonna keep it to be the third one. I'm like I really been wrestling with myself because my um, I don't want like I was digging. I was going. I was. I'm. I'm really struggling between myself and this other person. I don't really think I. I, I should probably pick them, but I feel like I probably have to be honest with this being said to give a disclaimer we've had a very very turbulent chaotic relationship since i met him in like 2015 but um it is and it's so many instances where he shows that he doesn't care but then it's very odd because then it's like in the ways that he shows that he does care he eclipses them but then also at the same time we'll fuck up me and my daughter's father have a very, like I said, chaotic and turbulent relationship. It's very up and down. I think that there have been instances where we probably have both hurt each other. But at the same time, through all of, through all of the mishaps, I will say there have been so many instances where I have felt love. And I think that through my relationship with him, I learned that you have to really make an effort to try to understand people and how they give love. Because honestly, the quality, the, the fucking touch, the physical touch shit, I didn't understand at all. I'm like, why are you touching me? But I didn't really know that that's how people express love and, you know, just like the physical intimacy, the proximity. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that at first. Me and him would argue very frequently because I would be like, we don't spend time. Time is my love language. And he'd be like, we sleep together. <laughs> And it will be so much because what the fuck? It's so crazy because that's how I like to receive love too. Like, I mean, I used to have nap dates all the time. I mean, of course, there was something other than naps, but (laughs) the naps were a big part of it. I I just can't stand you sometimes. But it's so odd because again, like I think Rashi can really speak to it. We've had a lot of fucked up things happen within our relationship. I don't know if we're platonic or if we're cordial. I don't know what what it is. It's it's a co-parenting relationship at this point. Um, but I will say if I need him for anything, he will drop everything to come over. And I didn't realize how rare that was until recently. Like when I was pregnant with my daughter. If I wanted, and even before that, if it was like two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, yo, I want a milkshake. And Rashid used to be really bad about that shit. I would want a milkshake. He would come over from across the fucking city and bring me a fucking milkshake. That's how I wanted that shit. Fucking Southwest. Southwest Philadelphia all the way to Germantown. Like, bitch, you have to drive past the airport to get here. So like mayor, oh my god, no, but yeah, like it's just like, and even now, like if I be like, I need you to help me put something together, whoever, no matter who he's with, he's going to drop everything. And I think that despite all of the things that have happened, the wrongdoings that have happened, I do feel like he genuinely does love me. I think that he's just mentally and emotionally disturbed. I just, I just, as much as I would like to say that 
I don't, I've never felt loved. I, I, I can't say that I've never felt loved by him. I do. And I still feel loved by him. I just think that he has an interest. He's very much an interesting person. Yeah. And um, going into what you were saying earlier too, not to cut you yeah, off. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry about that. If you're making a connection, but, go ahead. Cause I'm probably yeah, not going to make it. It's the way where you were already saying you have to understand how people give love, but then also knowing who he is and not putting his two on the streets at all, but knowing how people have also received love and you understanding his background helps you understand him a little bit more. And so sometimes that can feel awkward because that can put you in a state of being able to be manipulated, but I don't think you're manipulated. So that's a different story for somebody else. And it's just also interesting because I think that a lot of times, like, and like you said earlier, we kind of see these, we only see one real blueprint of what love looks like. And it's the romanticized one where everything is kind of perfect. You know, maybe there'll be a little bump in the road, but it's resolved. And that's not how love is always. I think that one of my favorite words to use is a monolith, but I think it's very much, love isn't a monolith. It looks different for everybody and it goes differently for everybody. And that's okay. So when we see these things in the media about how people are loved and like these perfect relationships, like we kind of think that because we don't have that, we've never been loved or because some person doesn't love you in the way that that you want specifically it doesn't mean that they don't love you at all. And it's not the case. Like I've had so many instances where people, I wanted to love me in romantic ways, love me in platonic ways. And that doesn't make their love any less um, amazing or grand because it's not in a romantic way. I, I appreciate the love that I have. To be loved is an honor. And I think it's a gift always. But yeah, um, I think with him specifically, I just, mm-hmm. I just, I do, I do feel love. And I, and I, and again, not the brightest tool in the shed. I know our daughter is loved too, despite yeah. the fact despite the fact that he buys her church hats and she's <laughs> one. <laughs> no, I, I would have to agree there, and I was going to kind of make that connection to where as though it wasn't necessarily you feeling love, but one thing that I did respect, even though I laughed a little bit because I was like, nigga, what judge in their right mind? But anyway, when, and again, not to put the tea out on the streets, but when y'all were in talks of possibly, you know how everybody has little petty baby mama, baby dad arguments and drama, and he let it slip out of his mouth like he was going to go to the courts. And, and, you know, for me, I, like, I instantly laughed because I was like, nigga, please. Um, these niggas always talking about how they're going to go to the courts. And let me tell you something. If the judge actually put babies in your fucking custody, you niggas would be lost. Did you hear about that person who went crazy? There was a man who apparently he like told the courts that he didn't need to pay child support. This is unrelated, by the way. This has nothing to do with him because I do think, again, he's a great father. But to the story really quick, there was this man who didn't want to pay child support. And so he fought his he fought his baby mom for custody. The judge gave him custody and he ended up fucking checking himself into a fucking 302 facility because he went crazy because he couldn't actually raise the child and deal with the pressure of it in that 24-7 around-the-clock care that mothers give their kids, that single mothers give their kids, that niggas really are able to duck out of, and they don't understand the magnitude, whether we want to believe it or not. So, I mean, not my mom, like, but that's a different story. No shit to her. too much. Rest in peace, sister. <laughs> um, but 
you know, mothers who raise, let me say mothers who raise their kids, <laughs> they know their kids, you know? And, but I think the idea that, and you said it, you had said it first and after you said it to me with this one particular thing with your baby father, Erica, when that situation happened with y'all and you said that he said he would fight for her, you felt you weren't even mad at him saying it because you were like, well, at least I know you will fight for your daughter. And yeah, you're not that wrong. for me. When you said it at first, I still couldn't stop laughing. But when I sat with it and even now just sitting with it, I know at that rate he would. Right. With that being said, the bar is still in hell because that's still the <laughs> minimum. But like, it's just like, see, well, you know him and it's like, you know, he, he doesn't fight for anything. Yeah. So it was just like, that was like, okay, so there's growth here and I can appreciate that. So that was definitely a step in the right direction. You're right. You're not wrong. But yeah. And then I'm sorry, were you, were oh. you about to say something else related to this? No. Because I, I mean, I'm relating it still to this. And again, this is me cheating again, because this isn't one thing, but this is something I thought about too. So when you I just said, see you cheating a lot here, but go ahead. I am. I'm sorry, but I realize I'm loved more than I, what I realize sometimes, but that's another story for another day. And for me to talk to my therapist about who I don't have yet. So don't expect much from me. You will still get violence from me every chance you get until I get me a new therapist. But had this situation this one time. Well, so earlier we were talking about drug addiction in like families right and then you earlier were talking about having to understand people and how they give love but then not only just how they give love but who they are and understanding circumstance and so this goes back into the conversation that I said about Rue and actually being able to live and function with addicts because my father is a former addict and then I have a brother who's still sadly going through addiction but of course growing up I didn't have a dad around because he was doing drugs right but when you get older and you start to understand, because again, I do the work with people, you kind of start to understand people can only give as much love as they can give themselves. And because my father wasn't able to love himself, he wasn't able to love me, right? But with that being said, as he's gotten older and now that he's what, in his 50s? And I'm like, what, 20s? Oh, Lord. What am I, 25? Okay, 25. Should I supposed to say 27? 35. You're my, <laughs> okay. my oldest sibling. <laughs> At 25, me being 25 and him being 50-something, I'm still able to receive and process the love that he gives me now as if I was an 11-year-old. And the love, and I allow the love that he gives me now to heal the 13, the 12, the 9, the 7-year-old Rashid who didn't feel like he had a father. And even though I never really expressed it, that, you know, and it really never really did bother me, but sometimes things show up. So I have, I have abandonment issues and I can easily abandon things without a second thought, especially if you've pissed me off. Right. So I don't just abandon people out of nowhere. Right. I abandon people when they show me who they are. And I just am like, I'm not giving no second chances, girl. Fuck you. Bye. But that's something that I've been able to work through. And actually through receiving love from my father now, I'm able to work through that. But all that to say, that reminded me of when my father helped me move into my new home back in July. I remember it was like our first time being able to like hang out for like an extended period of time. Like we talk on the phone all the time. And sometimes when he comes, he might only come for maybe like an hour. He might be doing some work around my house or something of the, or bringing somebody to do work around my house or something of the sort. But 
I remember just spending all day with him that day and it was just really a good feeling. But I do, you know, at the end of the day, I text him at the end of the night, I text him and I said I loved him and all of that. But then he texted me back and he told me that I couldn't imagine how much he loves me. And I just was like, yeah, I almost like cried. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, like, I just want to say this. this I'm so happy. Like, I'm so happy for both of you. Cause I think that this is like, you both deserve each other. Cause like, again, I've only had like limited interactions with your father, but I just, I think that, I think that you both love each other and I think you both need each other. And I think it's really good that you all were able to rekindle this. Like, I mean, like, you know, like you all were able to really get to know each other and be, and be here for each other. That's, that's dope as shit. Yep. And so, shit, we are coming up on time. So I'm going to get through this last one really quickly. But this one is actually going to be a story. First off, <laughs> I don't say fuck Rashi. He named like six things already. Fuck out of here. You a cheater. Go ahead, yo. Did you do three? I did. Damn. So I need, okay, I need to hurry up because we are coming up on two hours and bitch, I'm ready to go get this, get into this African food, honey. I'm about to have fufu for the first time in, what is it called? Cassava, Cassava leaf. leaf, period. So I'm actually going to tell a story with this one because I think the story is actually worth more than sharing why. And I'm 100% sure after telling the story, you'll understand it. But if not, I'll still give a little explanation at the end. So... About three and a half years ago, I was dating, I started dating this guy. And so he had just gotten out of a really bad relationship and I was like focused on school and dating really wasn't much of a priority. And I think that if I wanted sex, there were like maybe three revolving bodies. That's what I'm going to call them bodies. (laughs) Not me objectifying the girls. But also, (laughs) yes, objectifying. There are three of them that I would call. So it wasn't like I was yearning for sex or anything of that nature. So getting back to the story, he and I ended up talking for like the first time in like August of 2018. And like most love stories, that relationship blossomed, right? So we text whenever we could. We saw each other every other weekend, but we weren't really clear on how we had felt about each other. So we did know that like a relationship could be asking for too much at the time. So we just kind of had fun, right? We took it really slow. So fast forward to his birthday, which was maybe a few months later, I decided to start this tradition of writing him like love love letters, right? But I didn't actually say in that letter that I loved them um, for major events like holidays and shit and birthdays. So the first letter, I had just expressed how much I had pretty much just like fuck with him. I'm like, yeah, I fuck with you, you know, X, Y, Z, hi, you know, a little bit more sensual than that. But, you know, I'm not going to give all y'all my tea. So like his consistency had really just amazed me. So I just wanted to show him that he had somebody who would look out for him, like period, you know. So that was like the first time. That was the first letter. And so around Christmas time that year, only a few other months later, we had gone a little bit further by that point. And I, I had met his family actually in December as well. So I had wrote another letter for Christmas. And by this point, I had had certain feelings, but I had really refrained from like putting them all into the letter so that it wouldn't really scare him off, <laughs> you know, so that it wouldn't really scare him off and shit. Because, you know, that shit can be scary sometimes. So, you know, yeah. And we were trying to take things slow. But it was still very much a piece of me And it was representative, like, you know, of me and what my feelings were. So fast forward to Valentine's Day of 2019. I remember that we weren't going to be able to spend it together because I was going on a trip. And then, like, he had somebody come to visit him here or something like that. 
And so we decided that we would just do a little gift exchange, but he couldn't actually be there because he was at work and he didn't get off until really late, like around like midnight. And I was leaving the next day and I had to work the next morning, even though he didn't. So what happened was I, oh, he was actually at school. That's what it was. I had to, I ended up just going down to his job at like midnight and just meeting him outside. We exchanged gifts and then we went, you know, back on our own way. So I ended up, of course, getting home and I was looking through my gift bag and then there was a letter. <laughs> there was a letter. And Lord, I hope that he never hears this because um, sister would kill me. <laughs> but the letter said that, you know, he loved me. And I read it the first time. When I read it the first time, I knew he did. And I had loved him too. And that's really my story. But why that's important is that contrary to my last story, this felt like a moment in an example of someone loving me the way that I wanted to be loved, right? And it was the thought of someone stepping out of their comfort zone in the way that they love, and they took a hint and the message like, oh, this is how he gives love. So maybe this is how I should express my love. And if that was his thought process, that was right. And Three and a half years later, he's the only man that I can say besides my father and sometimes my brothers that I can say I love, period. <laughs> I mean, that was so cute. Oh my God. I, you know, it's so funny. I remember, um, you know, when, you know, when y'all started, you know, talking or whatever, and I was like, this is really cute. Y'all was so corny though. I remember when I ran into him the first time in the apartment and I I, I got scared. I jumped. I, was like, I just I just came, I was coming up from work and he was like in the kitchen with the lights off. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Oh yeah, but wasn't it like around the time that um like I, I had finally it. started letting him stay there after like after I left? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good it question. It might have been, who knows? It's whatever. I mean, either way, all I, I know was, is that was a small ass apartment, so it was going to happen. I don't miss that at all. <laughs> I don't miss it. Child. So many reasons. Such good times, though. Yeah. The birdhouse. I'm not going to lie. If this was like five or six years ago, I probably would have been like getting my ass ate was like one of the things I would have listed. <laughs> I just, wait, Why? I just want to say this real quick. I did a huge disservice today. And like, I didn't like, I, I think I thought of people that weren't directly related to me, but I just want to say mom. That's not oh, fair. Yeah. But like, no, I just want to say um, a lot of stuff growing up like I thought their parents did and like they didn't do and that's just mom like mom is very caring and unfortunately she needs to care for people in order to survive and I didn't notice that until I got pregnant and I got sick and mom jumped into action to take care of me and I think she wanted me to be sick for longer so she could feel better but then Shiloh came so she was able to take care of her a lot so but I just wanted to say that because I didn't say it and I should have so Shout the fuck out to mom. She is our angel on earth. Sister soul eater. Either way, I'm honestly just a huge fan of this topic, which is love. And I love, I love love. And I love that we were really able to talk about how we process love as a whole, because it can be very complex. I think that we both receive um, love from so many different avenues. And I think that it can be an extremely eye-opening topic for some of our viewers. I hope that everyone has an amazing Valentine's Day and that they have their arms wide open. Like mine's is right now when I'm talking to receive the love that they deserve because everybody deserves love. <laughs> You're right about that. 
another good week of conversation, another good week of good company, and another good week of keys and love. Um, I wish we could stick around longer, but we are already into our second fucking hour, and a bitch is tired, and Erica is a mother, no drama. And again, me, I am just a bitch who's tired. <laughs> so do you have any closing remarks for the girls? <laughs> I also just want to say, in addition to you being tired, you're also hungry, but that's it. Period. But, um, and I yeah. got foo-foo waiting for me, bitches. You ain't even said it. I'm about to make a protein shake. Anyway, <laughs> um, I know it sucks for me. It'll take that for me. But no, um, as always, I just want to say um, thank you again for all of y'all that listen. Um, we always appreciate the support with all of our hiatuses, with all of our, you know, ups and downs and shit. Y'all are always here. Um, always have our back, always engaging with us. And we can't express how grateful we are and appreciative to have you guys here to be, you know, loyal listeners. And, uh, we love y'all and yeah. Have you Valentine's Day? Yeah. Mm. And we are bowing out for the night. So new listeners, please note that we air new episodes every other week. So we will holler at the girls on the last day of Black History Month, which has been really terrible, by the way. Thank you, Tandaway Newton. Give us a shout on, <laughs> give us a shout on social media platforms at the girls' room and let us know how you're feeling. And please keep interacting with us. We always appreciate that. I am Rashid sitting here with Erica, aka Thickerita, aka Fat Body, aka Clatoria, aka Eartha Clitz. This has been episode 25 of the girls' room. That is our show. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you on the other side. The other side. The other side of me. Like Hannah Montana. Be well. Spread joy. And remember who is in charge of the girls. And that's on Della Reese. Bye. Bye.